You know, you've taken the initiative as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, to grab the bull by the horns, right? And and take your destiny into your own hands. And now what we're saying is, hey, grab the bull by the horns and take your money into your own hands. Mm. Don't let the Fed oh, yeah. infl- inflate it away. And, um, you know, I just think that's, that's real important. Or I guess on this show, I should be saying that the hands around the hog. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Get your hands on that on that boar's on that hog's head. By the way, did you guys see Josh's hat? We're, we're selling merch now on our website. He's got a hat that says "Hoggle." Yeah, hoggle the Bitcoin. <laughs> it's a big hit at the firehouse so far. This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit. Thanks for taking the time to stop by the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast. Today, Josh and I are joined by two entrepreneurs, Ali from Tahini's Restaurants and Kevin from All Out Parking Lots, to discuss the power of Bitcoin in conjunction with small and medium-sized businesses. In this hour full of substance as well as giggles, we cover topics including proper Bitcoin etiquette, absolute scarcity versus scarcity, why Bitcoin is a clown sifter, how Costco bought all of the chicken, Bitcoin the network versus Bitcoin the asset, merchant and customer usage of the Lightning Network, Bitcoin custody for businesses, and the implications of the incredible Hulk on cocaine and biker crank. More about both our guests as well as their Twitter handles is down in the show notes. You can follow us on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC. If you're picking up what we're putting down on this show and you want to help increase our reach, do us a favor and like, subscribe, or leave us a review. This show is brought to you by Ledin. Ledin is an extremely unique financial services company with a highly principled Bitcoin forward perspective. They are the first ever digital asset lending platform to undergo a formal proof of reserves attestation where an independent public accountant regularly attests that the company is properly accounting for client assets. Simply put, this company mirrors and embraces the transparency, accountability, and auditability of the Bitcoin protocol and network itself. If you've listened to this show much at all, you certainly notice we advise our listeners to be careful, manage risk, and never get over leveraged. And that does include ensuring that any borrowing and lending decisions make sound mathematical sense based on your lifestyle and specific situation. Where available in your jurisdiction, Ledin offers a menu of powerful financial services. Keep ownership of your Bitcoin and access dollar loans with Ledin Bitcoin back loans. Harness your Bitcoin holdings to buy a new property or finance the home you already own with the upcoming Ledin Bitcoin mortgage product. Save Bitcoin and the USDC to have access to Ledin dollar loans and their trading service where available. You can look into Ledin's well-architected menu of services at Ledin.io. BCB Pod is also powered by CoinKite, makers of some of the most iconic Bitcoin products, such as the Open Dime, Cold Card, and Block Lock. Secure your Bitcoin and sleep like a freaking baby with the new Cold Card Mark IV. It's got an upgraded secure element, USB-C connector, new plastic, NFC, massive RAM for multi-sig, and much more. In addition to the cold card, if you've been around Bitcoin, you've seen the block lock. This marvelous display art piece adorns the background of any serious Bitcoiner with taste. Honestly, it's my favorite object in my house. 
CoinKite has also introduced some new products including the Sats card and the Tap Signer. This company is positioned to do it all in the custody realm. From giving your 87-year-old grandmother some Bitcoin who doesn't even know how to turn on a computer, to complex security schemes that make Fort Knox look like a kid's play toy. Access all CoinKite products at CoinKite.com and use promo code BCB for 5% off purchases of cold card. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, I have one last favor to ask. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Ali and Kevin. All views and language expressed by the hosts and guests in this podcast are solely their personal opinions and do not reflect their employers or organizations they are associated with. Do not treat any of the content in this podcast as investment advice or as an inducement to follow a particular strategy. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Howdy, folks. I am Dan alongside co-host Josh, and we are titillated today to be joined by Ali from Tahini's Restaurants in Canada and Kevin from All Out Parking Lots near Philadelphia. Two gentlemen that are harnessing the power of Bitcoin on their balance sheets within their businesses. Guys, thanks for giving us your time this morning. Thanks for having us here. Thank you for having us here, guys. We're big uh, fans of the show and uh, we're looking forward to a fun conversation. Hey, uh, just before we got on, we had something important to discuss, people. And it's Bitcoin etiquette. And this is rule number one for anybody listening. This should go without saying. It's kind of like golf. You don't, you know, you don't sneeze. You, you stay quiet when someone's taking a swing. But you never, never ask someone how much Bitcoin they have. Under any circumstance. That is greatly, greatly offensive. So I just wanted to get that out of the way right off the top. With that being said, how much Bitcoin do you two guys have? <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the more important question is, you know, how many U.S. dollars do you have in your bank account, right? In real terms or nominal? Because that's that number's changing. Very, very little. Very little. <laughs> so, you guys, uh, we'd love to hear about your businesses. I think we're all familiar with Tahini's on uh, Twitter. We see the, the glorious food that you guys are producing all the time. Tell us, Ali, about mm. the Tahini's, how you guys started and uh, what you guys do. Yeah, so we are a... Um, a restaurant franchise based out of London, Ontario. Uh, we came to Canada in 2011, right after the Arab Spring. Uh, we wanted to start careers here, so we started by buying this local restaurant in London, and uh, we slowly grew that from one to two to three to four. And uh, you know, we along the way we rebranded to the name Tahini's uh, and. Uh, we ended up franchising it, and now, fast forward to today, we're at 11 stores all over Ontario, and by the end of the year, we're going to be a, at around 25 stores. Dang. Wow. Yeah. When do you guys come to the U.S.? So the U.S. is probably going to be right after we hit that 30 mark. Um, that's what when we're going to you know, right. start thinking about it. Dan and I will um, prepare for that sweetheart deal franchise in the Chicago area. So you just let us know. There is some redevelopment going on in the <laughs> municipality we work in, some choice plots, and uh, we'll put a good word in with the village manager because we're going to need one. All it's, right. It's a great lunch option for a yeah. day at the firehouse, huh, Josh? For sure. Some shawarma. What's your favorite thing on the menu, Ali? The uh, the chicken shawarma, hands down, is, is my favorite. Uh, but I don't eat it every day because, you know, it's, it's a lot of carbs. Um, what I do eat on a regular basis is probably like the shawarma salad. 
mm. um, where we just it's like a like a Lebanese salad where we put chicken shawarma on top of it, and then we you know put garlic sauce and and hummus and all sorts of goodness on top of it. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good. Damn it, that sounds good. Josh and I are thinking about scheduling a, a Canada Bitcoin venture, hitting up some of our guests, the uh, companies we've partnered with, and uh, Tahini's is going to be on that list. That's a great idea. I would say every day, lunch one day, dinner the next day. <laughs> yeah. You know, just alternate lunch and dinner. Definitely. That's awesome. Kevin, how about yourself? Tell us about your company. Yeah, sure. So. Um, it was myself and my best friend, Marco. Um, when we were in college, we just started sealing driveways door to door. Um, and, uh, you know, from there, we just kind of grew our business. We got into uh, commercial work um, and then we added on uh, concrete and then paving and line striping. And um, so now we have 35 employees and um, yeah, we do all commercial parking lot work. <clears throat> that sounds really similar to how my partner and I started our uh, business that we do on the side, it just, you know, going door to door, getting rejected doors slammed in our faces for the first couple months before we learned anything about advertising, literally going from having no clue what we're doing to having at this point, maybe like a bit of a clue, still figuring it all out. But yeah, that's, it's cool to, to hear you did. That's how you kind of grassroots built it from nothing. Yeah. That, that door to door life will, uh, will build some thick skin. That's for it sure. It will. Even old ladies will throw you out on the curb and <laughs> kick you in the head. They don't care. Definitely. Where does the entrepreneurial spirit come for both of you? You have uh, parents, family members that kind of brought you up this way. Where does the drive come from? Good question. <clears throat> um, just the drive to uh, to make it um, in a country where you're kind of alone Um is a pretty big, big driver uh, for us coming here to Canada. Um, you know, we had uh, some of our family were here and they were already established and everything. And uh, we came in, we didn't have like any professional uh, degrees. So weren't like uh, doctors or dentists or lawyers or, or something like that. Um, so we had to figure it out. And uh, we went, we went into the restaurant business having zero restaurant experience. And awesome. um, that was daunting at first. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we ended up making it making it work. We learned everything from scratch and you grind it out. You work seven days a week until, until you make it. Kevin, how about you? How'd you uh, decide, I want to make my own ends meet? Yeah, for me, um, you know, just started young, right? Uh, my cousin was in a band and I used to sell his demo CDs in the lunchroom at school. Um, Marco and I always um, either shoveled snow in the winter or, um, you know, did landscaping in the summer, uh, tried to sell t-shirts, whatever we could do to make a buck. Um, so I really didn't um, yeah, look, look for a job or anything like that. My whole goal uh, in college was to figure out uh, what business that, uh, that I was going to start. And we just stumbled upon uh, driveway seal coating and um, same deal. You know, didn't know anything, but uh, learned the hard way and uh, and just kind of made our way from there. So, Ali, you guys are focused on building restaurants. You're at this point working on your in your teens. Kevin, you guys are building a 35 employee asphalt, you know, concrete business. And what is it that suddenly turned you guys on to Bitcoin? 
it seems like, you know, when you're focused as an entrepreneur on your business, you're not really paying attention to the money necessarily. You're just focused on making this business as big and as bad as possible and, you know, pleasing all your customers. So what is it that struck you guys in the last three or four years that turned you to be interested in Bitcoin specifically? Yeah. So for me, it was started like personally with uh, my personal portfolio. Um, I was like an equity investor my the, the whole time I was I was here for the past decade. And um, it never, you know, I, I, crossed, I came across Bitcoin, I think in 2017, but, you know, I dismissed it immediately as a Ponzi uh, rat poison because I was a, you know, I was a big Warren Buffett fan. Uh, yep. Still am, by the way, but, you know, I just mm-hmm. completely disagree with him on Bitcoin now. Um, <clears throat> but when, when 2020 hit, uh, you know, at that month of March, uh, the whole economy came to a halt and everything locked down and we watched our sales drop 70 or 80% in a week. Damn. And that'll make you pucker. Yeah. And then. The thing that really made us uh, go crazy is that while everything was shut down, there was more money flowing around with within our community. Uh, people had more money because of all the subsidies and all the free money that was being printed out of thin air. And then on top of that, we were watching uh, the billions and trillions of dollars that are being printed by the central banks. And I was like, this is holy shit, this is going to end really badly. Uh, money is going to become worthless. This is a really big problem. Uh, so I have to find a way to protect my my personal wealth. Yeah, and not just end badly for the system, but for you personally with your business, right? You're doing some quick napkin math going, how long can this be sustained without some kind of alternative solution? Exactly, exactly. So uh, I was kind of in panic mode trying to find a solution. And that's when I came across Bitcoin again. And uh, <clears throat> I, I bought a little as just, you know, a fun investment. Uh, but then I came across the article by Robert Breedlove, uh, The Number Zero in Bitcoin. Great article. Great article. Read that, clicked for me that this is like a once in a lifetime invention. And the idea of absolute scarcity versus scarcity is mm. uh, a huge difference and something that I shouldn't ignore. Uh, so ended up buying more and then went down the rabbit hole hard uh, since then. Bought the Bitcoin standard, devoured it in three days, uh, bought more Bitcoin. <laughs> bought the price of tomorrow, fell down you know, the rabbit hole hard, kept listening to endless podcasts and and reading books and buying as much as I can along the way until I was like at a hundred percent of my personal portfolio. Cause I started selling all my stocks and equity and just buying more Bitcoin with it. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a crazy obsessive phase. I was doing this during our restaurants were struggling and uh, I was at the restaurants trying to keep them afloat because all, all of our employees left. Uh, so while I was doing like all the dishes and cleaning up at night, I was like, you know, I had my AirPods on. I was listening to, to podcasts and books along the way. And then so, yeah, it grew from there to a way of life 
where I wanted to incorporate it into my business. And um, I was kind of talking, I had a conversation with my partners about it, but we were kind of on the fence. And uh, when I saw Michael Saylor do that first initial buy uh, with MicroStrategy, that's what kind of pushed us over the edge. And we were like, okay, game on. This is a race of accumulation now. And we want to be there before uh, the, S- the rest of the S&P 500 figures this out. And so we jumped all in and we tweeted about it and we've been promoting Bitcoin ever since. It is so fun hearing these rabbit hole stories one after another because we've all shared the same experience of it's kind of like dating the difference between finding the one and just another great girlfriend. Like when you're really close with a buddy, you can tell this is just another girlfriend. And then every once in a while they come back and the look on their face, the degree to which they're smitten, the level of infatuation, you're like, this might be different. And when you actually study, we're not talking about speculative mania. We're talking about you study, you go manic with the education phase. And then it's just this cascade of like, all right, I need more Bitcoin. I think I'm good here. We're going to stop here, honey. You know, at least in my household. And then it's like, you, you learn more. It's like, no, we're going to have to keep going and going and going. And it really is this never ending vortex that keeps sucking you in. And it's no surprise that it goes from small personal position to large personal position to company balance sheet position. It's yeah. just the na- the flow of things. The other comment I was going to say, to hear a, a business owner like yourself talk about revenues dropping off a cliff 70 or 80% in a span of a couple months is mind-blowing. As Greg Foss would say, you could pick up a grape with your arsehole with that kind of uh, <laughs> cutoff. That is seriously the wild to hear yeah. you go through that sort of situation. Yeah, it was a, it was a wild time. It, was, it wasn't fun for everyone. It wasn't fun for us. But, uh, you know, in, 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 you always find, you always try to look at the good side and you always try to find the opportunities with us. The biggest opportunity was Bitcoin and we're glad, uh, we found it. And, uh, you know, if we didn't go through that, we wouldn't be, uh, where we are today. So I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah. Kevin, I was listening to you talk with Clay, um, on his podcast, Millennial Investor. And you said that, you know, 2020 greatly affected your outlook on the economy, which I think, you know, everybody was on board with that. But the thing I wanted to ask you about, and Ali, you might have heard of this, but I don't think that you guys had the same exact experience in Canada because we had these uh, PPP loans for for businesses here in the US, which was basically a loan to make up for the income you would have had, that 70% deficit that you guys experienced. You could put that on paper, you give it to the you know, uh, a bank that's going to give you this loan, you get the loan. And then as long as you can prove that you paid employees with it, it gets forgiven. Uh, sold tons and tons of businesses in the US. Everybody that could do it, did it. I want to hear uh, Kevin's thoughts on this process, how it worked, um, and maybe the incentives, uh, the way the incentive structure is built when you have a product like this. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? How that all worked here? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, my experience was uh, journey into Bitcoin was um, similar to Ali's, you know, same same deal. March 2020 hits. Um, And uh, funny enough, we were actually coming back from the Restaurant Facilities Manager uh, Association. So we were soliciting to um, restaurants. We had a a booth set up and we got back the next day. The NBA shut down. 
everything shut down. We had a, a ton of contracts that were pulled and, you know, we were trying to figure out how to navigate this. Um, and uh, yeah, the the CARES Act came out. Part of that was the PPP program, the uh, Payroll Protection Program. And so, um, so yeah, you calculated up um, the, the payroll that you had the previous year. You, you send in all of your documents, right? You got a, a certain amount of money. And as long as you use that for payroll and a few other expenses, then it was just forgiven. So it was free money. So we got that the, fir- uh, the first go around. Uh, the second go around in uh, January of 2021, uh, we got it again. And, um, you know, I'm no genius economist, but uh, I knew there was going to be some side effects from right. them just printing trillions of dollars and, um, and uh, you know, just, just giving it away. There was, so, there was so much fraud that went on during that. I don't know if you guys heard about the, there was an entrepreneur, quote unquote, entrepreneur in, in uh, Florida who was driving around like a couple of brand new Lamborghinis because he just made up or he dug out some company's names and he submitted the application and they sent him over a million dollars. There was just, it, the whole thing was just rife with, with scumbags, like using the system. There was a lot of slop in the hog pen. It's the old Charlie Munger thing. You know, you show me the incentives and I'll show you the outcome. Well, that's exactly what happened with this PPP loan. It, it gave a bunch of incentives to people who obviously didn't have any kind of moral compass and, they use it exactly the way that you'd expect them to use it. They they made their life better, probably didn't even pay these employees half the time. Like there's all kinds of different ways that you could that you could maneuver to make it look like you paid employees and just pay yourself. You know, you could even make deals with employees to pay them and then they give you fifty percent back or something. There's there's just a mound of ways that this produces very, very bad incentive structure. The other thing I was going to say, and then this will be a question for both of you, I think it was Ali, I heard you saying this, I forget on which podcast, but the the issue with all this, as I said before, all this slop being thrown in the hog pen, which is great, you got to soak, when the slop's there, you got to eat, you know what I mean? We, we, we would do the same thing. But the problem is, you create this zombie dynamic where companies, obviously, the the COVID lockdowns were unjust and unfair from a business perspective. We're not talking like moral health thing. We're just saying all of a sudden there's this artificial cutoff in demand that just happens instantaneously and businesses are expected to survive. So I understood the impetus for in, in, for introducing this liquidity and, and available money. But now you have this dynamic, and, I, and Ali, I think it was you saying this, of these restaurants that have basically been shut down for extended periods of time that are still afloat trying to re-engineer what they had before, or maybe what they didn't have before. I'm guessing the same th- thing is true in your area, Kevin, of companies similar to yours or different that are just been limped along. And now as those crutches get pulled, we get to find out who actually walks again. Is this a dynamic you're both seeing uh, in your areas with, with companies that were sort of limped along by these relief programs? Absolutely. Uh we have like some even neighboring restaurants that you know are, are right next to us in some of the locations uh, where they literally shut down for almost the entire time for two years and they were able to stay afloat and it was driving us crazy because like uh, why <laughs> right like we're out here busting our asses uh, coming to work every day like during the lockdowns we were at the restaurants day and night trying to keep keep the businesses uh, cash flow positive and um, you know that you know the incentive structure 
was built in a way where you know what you could sit back relax and and you know take out a bunch of debt that gets forgiven uh it wasn't fair it's not fair it's not a free market anymore when you do that and it's not fair to the companies that show up to work and provide value and deserve to be uh rewarded like like the amount of for example, like the amount of prime locations that we could have, mm. uh, we could have taken because you know some restaurants uh, decided not to go to work and they went out of business. Good point. They're not there anymore, so that opportunity for us is gone. Uh, they're just zombie companies, like you say. That's literally the definition of, of zombie companies. They're just held held up by some fake money without actually providing any value to society uh so we're yeah we're we're pretty heavily against that uh we think it's a manipulation of of capitalism uh and it's just wrong for uh young up-and-coming entrepreneurs that want to make a name for themselves i couldn't agree more you know they, they were calling it socialism for businesses at that time because um hey you know as a business you need to be you know, financially responsible, right? Like if something happens, whether it's a recession hits or uh, you lose a key employee or a key customer, like, you know, you've got to figure it out, right? Or you've got to have money in reserves. You know, I mean, if, if a kid growing up, just go ahead, you know, just, just goes ahead and he blows his money and then his, um, you know, his, his dad bails him out or something, right? And just gives him more money. That kid's not going to learn that lesson, right? So, um uh, yeah, I, 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 it's not free market. And, um, you know, like like you were saying, I, I understand kind of why. But, yeah, I wasn't, you know, wasn't a fan of it. We took it because everybody else was. Our competitors were going to. to. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, we so, took it too. You know, you, yeah. you, you're, you're at a disadvantage if you don't take full advantage of every, you know, <laughs> advantage. It's about, you know, this perverse incentive structure that it, it was everything from employees not wanting to come back to work because they can sit at home and do nothing mm-hmm. versus going, you know, and laying asphalt or putting together smarmas. Like, I want to sit at home and do nothing. Like, I'm a lazy piece of shit person just like everybody else. Like, I'm going to do as little as possible. You can just do that at the firehouse instead, yeah. though. Josh That's why we do this. Paid. That's why Dan and I <laughs> sit in here. We, we find some people to talk to. And we sit at our desks in our basements and act like we know what we're talking about and talk about Bitcoin for an hour. It's awesome. And I do very little. It's great. The firehouse is a fickle place, gentlemen. Like I was saying before we came on, so we're at a pretty busy agency. I won't go into specific numbers to docs where we're at, but relatively speaking, we're busy. But you do occasionally get the day where you feel just like an absolute piece of shit, but it's gorgeous. And yesterday was one of those days, 24-hour shift, two amazing meals, three calls, slept through the night like a freaking baby. (laughs) But it's a thing of beauty. Um. Totally agree with what you said, though, Josh. I want to get into exactly what purpose Bitcoin serves in both of your companies. Kevin, why don't we start with you? Uh, how are you harnessing Bitcoin for all-out parking lots? Sure. Um, so for us, you know, it's a uh, it's a savings technology, right? Um, so we have, um, you know, we have options in our business as to where we want to allocate money, right? So um, we're going ahead where we have our, our strategy, um, which is our P&L strategy, where we're paving parking lots, we're pouring concrete, right? And then we have our balance sheet strategy, where we're taking those cash flows 
and uh, and plugging that into Bitcoin. Um, and so, uh, so you know, for us, like if we wanted to, you know, we could think about maybe opening a another uh, an, another shop maybe down in Virginia or something, right? Like out of our territory and uh, and trying to start another branch down there, right? But um, we would take on a, a massive amount of risk um, trying to market down there, hire, um, you know, uh, be able to source the equipment for all of that, right? So, um, so for us, we use it as a strategy to go ahead and you know, just purchase Bitcoin, put it on the balance sheet, um, and, and let that continue to grow. So we're not just chasing dollars, right? We're, we're putting our money into an asset that is, um, that is appreciating faster than the rate of inflation um, historically. And, um, you know, we also use it for recruiting as well. That's another tool. Uh, so when we, when we were hiring for, hiring for an inside operations coordinator this winter, right, we put up there, hey, uh, you know, Bitcoin bonus. And um, so the, the woman who had applied for this job, she, she actually, uh, she saw it on Indeed. She went ahead and reached out to me uh, personally on LinkedIn and said, hey, you know, I looked at, you know, 30 jobs, your, yours appeals to me the most. Can I have an interview with you? And uh, I said, absolutely. She took the initiative. She came in and she said, hey, listen, I saw that Bitcoin bonus um, on the job ad there. And, you know, it just it shows to me that you guys are a forward thinking company and I want to be a part of a company like that. And, um, you know, and then for us, hey, who doesn't want to work with Bitcoiners, right? So um, they, they, they view the world a certain way and, um, and, uh, and we appreciate that. So, so, yeah, we ended up hiring her. So it worked out for recruiting purposes um, and then retention. So we use it. Uh, we, we wanted to orange pill the entire company. And when Strike came out with the pay me in Bitcoin feature, uh, we were able to do that. So, um, so it's nothing crazy, right? We give uh, $5 a week um, that we pay everybody in the company. They wake up Friday morning, they get a, a notification from their Strike app that they got $5 in Bitcoin. And uh, it's extremely easy to set up. Strike gives you a um, account number, a routing number. And, uh, you know, for us, we use ADP for our payroll system. You just plug in that they're going to get $5 that's going into this account. And um, it goes through um, our account to ADP. Uh, then it goes through as US dollars and then is converted into Bitcoin into their strike app. Um, so those are the, you know, the few, uh, a few of the ways that, that we're utilizing Bitcoin. That's so badass. I love the way that you've, yeah, the way you've thought that through everywhere from retaining employees to capturing new ones. And then, you know, obviously, Bitcoiners, like you said, you are people you want to work with because I think we could agree that they're generally people that are capitalism or capitalists in general, understand why mm -hmm. you're running a business. They don't expect you to give them shit for nothing and um, just basically aligned with your thought process, which is exactly what you want in an employee. Bitcoin is a bit of a clown filter. Yes, and, it is. Uh, as I'm sure you both know, uh, hiring a lot of people and managing a lot of people, the goal is to avoid clowns. So why not get one of the best clown sifters available? That being Bitcoin. When uh, just a quick question for how you operate this. I'm curious. Uh, you said you have the PNL and you have the uh, basically the savings investing Bitcoin side. So the PNL, you basically are retaining enough cash there to run everything completely, right? You're not dipping back into Bitcoin here and there. Because, I mean, I'm just thinking in, that would be an absolute accounting nightmare to go back and forth there, uh, at least the way my business works. Um, can you just explain a bit about how that works for you? Yeah, sure. Um, so we uh, 
We're really just DCA. Um, so we, we make sure we have enough to, um, for, for a few months to be able to operate the company, right? Um, and then uh, we put a certain amount in um, per week. We use a Bitcoin only exchange yeah. and um, we just, uh, you know, we set that uh, amount that we're putting in and um, every week it goes in. But, you know, we have a whole cash flow forecast to make sure we have obviously enough cash to run the business. And we have a, a very, um, uh, you know, conservative amount that we have in there. So we're not taking any big risk. And that's that's key, by the way, to, to you want to structure your Bitcoin strategy in a way where you never have to sell your Bitcoin, no matter mm -hmm. what. Yes. Uh, so we do uh, pretty much the same thing. We have uh, what we call a working capital, and we we try to calculate that number. What number do we need to have for uh, a period of six months that will cover uh, anything from emergencies to business operations to uh, expenses, et cetera, et cetera. And anything beyond that number, we take that, we sweep it into Bitcoin. Um, but I also want to add something that, you know, not every business is going to ha have that opportunity to do that because not every business is going to be uh, making excess cash that you don't withdraw as the business owner. Right. Uh, so especially small businesses, ton of small businesses out there uh, that are just, you know, the, the owners are the company treasury, basically. Um, right. So even... What I want to say is like, even if you are at that point, um, like even sweeping, like taking the money out of the corporation personally, and then sweeping it into Bitcoin, you're still on a Bitcoin standard because you are the company. Um, and then eventually as your company grows, uh, you will reach a point where, you know, it's not uh, counting wise and tax wise, it's not smart to take out all the money out of the company because of just tax purposes. So you leave it in the corporation and that's what you use. That's when you use it to either, you know, leave it there or buy Bitcoin with it or do other stuff with it. Um, I, I want to uh, uh, say one more way, I guess, how we're using Bitcoin, right? We, um, we actually brought in a, um, a certified financial planner um, who may or may not have been on your podcast. Um, I don't want to say Kreider? I don't want to say his or her name because <laughs> uh, true. Uh, but, it rhymes um, with Fim Fighter. <laughs> yes. I I bet I know who he is. Um, so uh, um, so we had him come in and listen. This is we're not his his typical customer, right? Um, but uh, but you know I I heard him on your podcast. I reached out to him and said, Hey, listen. You know, I, um, you know, just concerned about my my team members, right? Concerned about my employees. We we're, we're going through a crazy amount of inflation, and I can't afford to, you know, give them twenty, thirty percent raises year over year. It's, uh, we'll go out of business. Um, so I, I'd like to, um, you know, educate them, right? And uh, I'd like to have a, a, a pro Bitcoin uh, financial planner. Uh, to to be able to do so. So um, so what we did was we're um, subsidizing the majority of what it's costing for um, uh, for Jim to give his services, and then uh, the employees paying you know a little bit to uh, to be able to go ahead put together a you know a plan a budget, and for Jim to go ahead and point them in the right direction. And so um, that is really that cool. is incredible. Seriously, yeah. I, I mean, so. 
to our agency specifically, and I'm not looking to shit on anybody because everyone's well-intentioned, but like we have access to financial professionals, right? And these people are well-intentioned and they've served people great in a lot of respects, but they are as trad fi as it gets. I mean, you mentioned Bitcoin. It's still, I think, currently at the stage of anathema and they're touting your your typical risk parity, de-escalating mm-hmm. risk into fixed income long-term. What an amazing opportunity that would be even at our agency to have access to somebody with you know, financial expertise that certainly understands traditional markets, but also gets the implications of, of Bitcoin. An invaluable resource for your employees and just for your company as a whole to have that kind of person to tap. Yeah, you're doing them a great service. I mean, that that is a really, really cool thinking outside the box uh, thing that you did there. I love it. Appreciate it. Yeah, um, you know, I'm hoping everyone, um, you know, takes advantage. She actually just came in on Tuesday. So uh, so I don't have the numbers yet as to, you know, who all has signed up. But um, but yeah, that, that's my hope for everybody. Ali, you guys have plopped some Bitcoin ATMs at the establishments. Am I correct? That is correct, my friend. We, um, yeah, that's uh, one way we um, integrate Bitcoin into our business. Because uh, you know, after after putting on the balance sheet, you know, there's um, you, you start go looking for other ways to integrate Bitcoin into your business. <laughs> so you know, it depends. You know. Uh, Kevin has his, his way, which is brilliant with the employees. You know, we, um, we partnered up with a Bitcoin ATM company in Canada uh, to put Bitcoin ATMs in all of our locations. And, uh, and then we also uh, were able to be fr- good friends with a company here called ShakePay, uh, where oh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like Cash App uh, in the U.S., and um, they have a ShakePay card. That's like a credit card. And um, we're partnering up with them to be part of their, uh, it's called a partner program where when a customer comes in, buys a shawarma with the ShakePay card, instead of getting 1% or 2% back in Bitcoin, they would get 6 or 7% back in Bitcoin. So we want to nice. reward our customers with Bitcoin for, you know, with because they bought a shawarma, right? Uh, so there's there's so many cool integrations, and that's like you know one of the unintended consequences that came out as a result of us you know coming out in public and talking about it, announcing announcing it is, is you uh, you end up forming this great relationships with the Bitcoin community, uh, which are fucking awesome, by the way. These <laughs> yeah. the, the you also, you guys specifically are getting all this free advertising with people buying your shirts. I yeah. saw, I can't tell you how many, I'm pretty sure I saw Pish wearing your shirts yes. at um, Bitcoin 2022. Yes. And I saw at least 20, 30 of them. Wow, like, really? That many? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Um, so, I mean, just on its, just that simple, like, hey, people want Tahini shirts because they know what you guys are up to. Yeah. I mean, like the Bitcoin community is probably the 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 best community I've ever met in my life. Um, they are global, but borderless. They are psychopaths. Yeah, psychopaths. <laughs> they all have one mission in mind. You know, we all have Bitcoin in common, and we all want to bring freedom money to every corner of the earth, right? Absolutely. And that mission just binds us and connects us in a way where, like, as soon as I see a Bitcoiner, instant connection. 
you know, I know that I align with, with them on so many levels and it doesn't matter, you know, what, what country you're from, what language you speak, what color your skin is, all that shit is, you know, non-existent in the Bitcoin community. And, uh, and, you know, they stick together like glue and like, uh, like cyber hornets, right? Like the great sailor coat. Yeah. And, uh, it's amazing to watch the, that's that much support coming to us of just a random show, you know, shawarma business in London, Ontario. We're getting like people that have never even tried our food that are like supporting us and, and, you know, throwing love our way. And it's something that is just amazing to be part of. And I'm honored, like, and fucking excited to be part of this community. Didn't Sailor have a Tahini's hat on his uh, logo on he Twitter did. there? That's legendary. <laughs> he that did. legendary. Yep. Pish had a Tahini's shirt on. I would venture to say, gentlemen, that your two companies should enter the rotation of like Bitcoin pilgrimage. You need to visit El Salvador. You need to buy a shawarma at Tahini's and you need to get your driveway seal coated by all of <laughs> like These are three things you have to have done if you're a legit Bitcoiner. Yeah, yeah. No, it it is amazing. And um you know, and, and you know you know what though, like uh Dan's like what better mission or or what more noble mission can you be a part of than trying to bring economic empowerment to people all over the world? Like name me one Absolutely. other uh tool that can do that. Nothing. Definitely not Klaus at the World Economic Forum. He's the uh, only tool I can think of that is certainly not doing that. The uh, did you guys see the huge hit piece they just put on Bitcoin proof of work oh, mining? That was, that was amazing. That was absolutely insane. <laughs> like just full, rife with bullshit and stupidity. Yeah, it's it's um. And it, what's the dude's name from Ripple? Chris Larson. Yeah. It's it, like that clown is. It was Ripple. It was a Ripple Pfizer and a couple other companies that are representative of. The WEF, yeah. like those companies can all go fuck themselves <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. The best thing about, about that video is that one, uh, they showed their hand that they're scared, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. terrified of this. Exactly. Two, um, they mentioned uh, Ethereum company is moving to us proof of stake. <laughs> Ethereum company, <laughs> exactly. Freudian slip. I loved it. Yeah. And uh, that basically just proved the point. It did. Yeah. Well said. That's a <clears> great <throat> point. I loved Pish's response on Twitter. I retweeted it. He said, we aren't selling. We aren't changing the code. Real money equals energy. Enjoy your sea of broken paper promises and cry harder. Preston yeah. Pish. <laughs> Guy's coming out of the woodwork these days. Mr. Polite is uh, getting a little edgy. <laughs> Fork the code, Mr. Chris Larson. See what happens. Yeah. Fork the right. code. Fork the code. You guys uh, get any pushback from business owners and your you know similar businesses as you guys? I don't know if you... You probably hang out in some associations of other businesses similar. You guys get a lot of pushback on this. Do people know about it that are outside of the Bitcoin space? Uh, yes, we. Uh, I do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in a couple different um, mastermind groups or CEO groups, right? And um, you know, I, I try to bring it up. I've given um, presentations on it, and um, you know, I don't know if it's the age difference um, and just like frame of reference, um, but. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've, I've tried and I've gotten pushback from it, I guess, I guess, cause I'm 
uh, one of the younger ones. I'm, I'm 33. Um, and so, um, so that, that's been a challenge. Um, and yeah, for, for frame of reference is, is always a challenge, I guess, like for me, the pandemic was the first, um, like real, uh, real concern, right. Um, versus, uh, the other guys have been through, um, whether it was, you know, nine 11 or, um, the, uh, the dot-com bubble or whether it was, uh, 2008, right. The housing market crash and, and everything. And so they, they kind of, you know, say, Hey, yeah, we've been through this before and, um, you know, but we'll keep moving forward. And, you know, I'm trying to explain that, Hey, you know, this time's different, right. I mean, look at, look at what's going on and, and, uh, all the money printing that's taken place. Um, but, um, but for some reason it doesn't add up, I guess I presented about six months ago. Um, I'm just starting to get guys asking more questions. Um, so I'm, I'm I thinking I'm seeing the tide turn, but, um, but it, it's, uh, it's tougher than I thought. At the end of the day, Kevin, price is the great teacher. Like we've only been in this since 2017, but having been through a couple cycles, we've seen it. You, you cast the nets at times like these. And then when price goes two, three, four X, that's when all the fish pile in. And that really yeah. is okay. Like in some sense, when you're developing all this sound conviction and you're spending hundreds or thousands of hours researching, you can be banging your head going, why don't they get this? But they will. The curiosity will come. And when they bounce back, I'm sure the four of us agree we're here with open arms. You know what I mean? There, there should not be this I told you so impetus because we were all there. Price was the great teacher for me. It was the great teacher for Josh. And absolutely, we're laying the groundwork to build the foundation for a lot of people once they once it clicks. And when Bitcoin's at $100,000, $300,000, a lot of people are going to start doing some napkin math on what the decision you guys made, what kind of effect that's happening on your company, and then people will follow suit. But in the meantime, when uh, we're, we're kind of waiting it out and waiting for the rest of the world to catch up to the implications of this paradigm shifting protocol, it does require some patience and occasionally it incites some frustration. When they do that napkin math, they're going to have some horrible etiquette and they're going to come to you and ask you how much Bitcoin you have. <laughs> You're going to tell them to fuck off and yeah. uh, get on a Bitcoin standard. Yeah. So speaking of that, so are either of you guys taking Bitcoin as payment for your businesses? I'm assuming if somebody was like, hey, I'd like to pay you in Bitcoin, especially for something like a, a driveway, if you were going to you know, do a concrete driveway, you'd do it probably. But on a normal uh, recirculating uh, period of time, do you guys get paid in Bitcoin at all? So we don't currently no, don't uh, accept Bitcoin payments uh, because we just want to keep the accounting. Uh, like when yeah, it started simple. off, we wanted to keep the accounting I clean. Get it. Understandable. And operate in dollars and, um, you know, using profits to buy Bitcoin. Uh, if we brought Bitcoin payments into this, that means we would have to sell some Bitcoin to pay some of our expenses uh, which goes kind of against our whole message that we're trying to push anyways. Uh, but um, recently we have, you know, uh, been thinking about, okay, even if we do take Bitcoin, it's probably going to be a minimal amount and we can just sweep that straight into our treasury and never have to sell it. Um, so that's kind of a strategy we're still exploring. Uh but you know, if you if you're gonna sell Bitcoin to like, take Bitcoin payments, sell it to pay expenses, it becomes an accounting nightmare because you have to record yeah. when you 
received it. Especially for the small payments you guys are getting for exactly, food. Exactly, like yeah. Tens of thousands of them it a day. It doesn't probably. make any sense to take Bitcoin payments, right? right. Um, so, yeah, just keep it simple, stupid. Uh, operate in dollars. Even if you're going to you know, accept Bitcoin payments, uh, you're not going to get a lot of Bitcoin payments because even Bitcoiners don't want to spend their Bitcoin, right? <laughs> they yeah. actually want to spend their dollars. And, you know, besides that, there's like maybe 20 Bitcoiners in our city. So it's not, you know, you're not going to get the biggest, uh, you know, income advantage or out of it. Uh, but, you know, it's best to um, just keep sweeping it, operate in dollars, keep it clean, keep the account clean and sweep the re- sweep the profits into Bitcoin. The comment I wanted to make with that, this is going to be one of those conversations that if you listen 10 years from now, is going to sound insanely dated because I'm sure as we all agree right now, let's just for simplicity's sake, let's call Bitcoin a store of value, you know, decentralized censorship resistant monetary opportunity. Eventually it's going to do it all. And that's going to include medium of exchange and everything's going to catch up much like the internet did, you know, single use case in the beginning. And then it ate everything in terms of information. The same will happen with Bitcoin and it will sound dumb in 15 years to say, oh, it's hard to take Satoshis, but it is right now. Things haven't caught up and I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, there is this guy on Twitter goes by the name of Fim Fighter. He's a <laughs> financial planner guy. He asked his question for us today was, uh, when will they make the switch from pricing in fiat and then converting to Bitcoin to pricing in sats? I'm guessing, correct me if I'm wrong, but the answer to the question is when friction's reduced and that becomes easier and network effects grow and consumers demand that, correct? Correct. Yeah. We, you know, I thought, I, I thought about it too, because you could do that same thing I was talking about with Shrike. Like we have uh, certain companies that, um, that pay us through ACH. And so I, I could give them that routing number and account number to go ahead and do that. But, um, you know, I, I uh, decided against it. Yeah, we just take the money in U.S. dollars and, and then convert it into Bitcoin from there. We sent out uh, an email to a bunch of customers, uh, the small business that I run, and I offered a 10, I don't remember if it was a 10 or 15% discount last spring for the service we offer and complete crickets. If they like, paid not in Bitcoin. Not a single right? response. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. If they paid in Bitcoin. And uh, didn't get a single response at all. So I was like, all right, well, it was a good it was a good effort. I took a swing at it. And if they do pay you, the Josh sends an automated response back that says you just made a mistake. You shouldn't part with your Bitcoin. Go listen to the blue collar Bitcoin podcast. Right. Yes. Yeah. And Josh would definitely have reported that on the company's income stream. Obviously. Don't worry. Um, Obviously. I want to talk about inflation. Uh, there's a quote, Ali, I ran across of yours that says nobody needs this more than small or medium-sized businesses they are screwed uh, in reference to bitcoin yes what has this looked like from just the expense of running your companies the last few years with inflation supply chain issues obviously i'm sure wages are pushing up uh walk us through that quote ali and then for both of you uh what this inflationary landscape has looked like yeah, it has been awful for small and medium-sized businesses um, because inflation literally touches every aspect of your business and then ends up diluting your market share to your bigger competitors just as a way of design. Mm. So I'll give you an example of that. Um, 
for us, we we have actually a a uh, another business. It's like a it's like a, f- a food distribution company, uh, which uh, makes you know orders food in bulk and sends it out to all of our locations, and but also sends it to other restaurants as well. So it's, it's a big business. It's like sends food to over seventy restaurants. So we have kind of good price, uh, purchasing power and pricing power because of the amount of, of food that we buy. Yet, uh, Costco can come in and buy all the chicken in the market. And I mean all of it. And the market is just all of a sudden out of chicken. And the next time there's chicken availability, the prices go up. And then we now have to compete with Costco and McDonald's and all the big, you know, mammoth car- corporations yeah. that have that have a thousand x more buying power than us, right? And we simply can't compete with that, uh, right? Like McDonald's will raise their prices five percent. We, as a smaller company, if we wa- actually want to keep up, we have to raise more than that. But we can't raise twenty percent, you right. know. Even though that's that's the inflation rate on all of our products, some of them even more than twenty percent, right? So that becomes a grueling uh, race to ruin for small, medium-sized companies. And without, you know, uh, if you just focus on that, it becomes quite depressing. Uh, so needing thinking outside the box and thinking about a balance sheet strategy that goes along with your uh, you know, income strategy is, uh, becomes essential because you really are in a race to lower profits and lower margins by design. So you have to find something that beats that, that counters that. There's a, this is a thought that just occurred to me. So you guys are all familiar with the Cantillon effect. Yes. The person at the you know at the trough for the money printing first generally uh, receives the money without the inflation and then on and on down the bottom of the trough we get the worst. What you're describing is almost the reverse of that. So not only is McDonald's in a position where they're going to be able to get those cheap loans because of their position, they're also able to avoid on the bottom of the trough when the inflation starts to really peak. Mm. They've not only gotten the, the money cheap, but now they're getting the goods cheaper than you. So they're making a double play to to not only get the money first, but also receive the least inflation. Yeah, on both ends of that transaction, that is um, something I hadn't realized or thought of before. Yeah, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Kevin. Those bigger asphalt paving companies are probably doing the same thing to you guys. Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, the inflation. I mean, I went to um, order a. A skid steer, um, which mm-hmm. is a com- common piece of equipment in our industry, right? And um, and if I wanted to get it, um, yeah, I, I you know I asked for a quote, and they said they wouldn't be able to deliver it until December. And so that from the time I asked for it for uh, for a quote, um, and then. Uh, we decided to say, hey, we, we can't find anyone anywhere else. Um, so we're, we're just going to have to go with this and wait till December. The price went up 10%. And it's not a, a you know wow. cheap piece of machinery. It's expensive. Mm-hmm. And then they said that we can't guarantee you your financing rate. So whatever it is at that time, you know, is, is what you're going to get. I, I can't tell you. 
Um, if we want a, a, a triaxle, which is a, a you know, uh, Mac dump truck that, that hauls asphalt. Um, we're a year and change away from, uh, from being able to get one. Um, and even the used market is, you know, is, uh, is pretty dried up at this point too. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, the prices are going up on everything because there's a, a shortage of everything. And so, um, so inflation is really killing us there for sure. So it's, uh, and it's like it or yeah, leave it. Very thing. Yeah, exactly. They say, listen, you don't even have to put any money down because if you decide in December that you don't want this, you know, there's a hundred people waiting right behind you. So, uh, so we'll just give it to them. Um, and like it or leave it. You, that's, that's, yeah, you got to take it. So the prices of some of these pieces of equipment is crazy how much it's changed. I mean, so at our department, there's six fire vehicles. So six trucks or engines and four ambulances and then some other vehicles. Uh, even since I've gotten on five years ago, like the price of a fire engine or a tower ladder, or all these pieces of equipment has gone almost doubled. It's crazy what the numbers, how much they've changed. It's actually funny. The engine that we bought in 2016, I, I asked the chief about this the other day because I was curious. It was 650000 or so. The one we just ordered, which will be delivered in, what is it, June or July or something, Dan? It's over 900. So it's like um, 950 or so. And no material changes in this thing. It's not like we ordered something special or bespoke or totally different than the original or the one from four or five years ago. It is just purely $350,000 roughly. It's more. wild. Massive increase. What I think hearing about your situations, gentlemen, is just inflation is a new stressor that you have to adapt to. And it's it forces business owners to get A, more creative with their operations but be more creative, ingenuitive, and thoughtful with their balance sheets, which is what you two are doing. And that's why I love the distinction you've both drawn. Ali, I've heard you talk about this. Just you've got your business strategy, you've got your balance sheet strategy. And I think this, it's very helpful to distill some of these themes down to the individual. And you need both. Like without one, you can't have the other, right? So let's think about the individual. You need a steady stream of income and earning capacity, a good vocation, and then you need a sound investment saving strategy. So for example, if you're a 28-year-old living in your childhood bedroom with no career trajectory or work ethic, you're missing one side of the equation, even if you're super into Bitcoin. That's not going to be enough. Get off your ass and go do something. On the other side, if you're a plastic surgeon making $700,000 a year, uh, levering up to your eyeballs and luxuries and your investment strategy is a total bond market index, you're fucked too. Like you're missing one side of the equation. So you need both, but in this climate, it's more important to have that balance sheet strategy than ever before to stay afloat, especially if you're a medium, small size business. I'm sure you both agree. Are you seeing more people wake up to the precarious reality that exists today in your landscapes? I like to give the example of... Um Okay, let's say let's say you're a florist, right? And uh, you know you've built up a great reputation in town. Everybody goes to you for the prom or Valentine's Day, or you know if your wife's upset, you got to go get her flowers, right? Um, but uh, you know you can't compete on a, a marketing level with the you know one eight hundred flowers, right? They have a ton more dollars, and so you know what, what's your other option to continue to try and grow your business? Is maybe you try you go the the next county over, right? And you try to set up a new shop, and you got to put a ton of marketing dollars into that. Train people on you know what what exactly they're doing, all of those things. Like when in reality, 
you know, if that business is making, you know, let's say a few hundred grand a year, right, in profits, they should be able to just keep doing what they're doing. But because of inflation, mm. their business is getting devalued, you know, by the day as this money printer keeps going. And so what's the solution, right? And that's that's where Bitcoin comes into play, right? We have that solution and that's what we're, you know, we're trying to, to get that, um, you know, out to everybody and, and uh, hopefully they understand. Yeah. And I think the other the other thought I've had to bring up in this discussion is just to bring it back to the individual once more. Um, we talk about taking a hedge position in your portfolio. If you're if you're a business owner who's unsure about this, you're just in the beginning journey, there's other factors on your board or your co-founder or whatever, they're not cool going, you know, heavily in. It's still worth taking a hedge position in your company. Like it's not like your balance sheet has to be a hundred percent Bitcoin. You could start at 1%, 2%, 5%, just like we talk about in individual portfolios to at least hedge the onslaught of the dynamic you two have just explained. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, um, 1% is still better than zero. And um, you guys had uh, Preston Pish. I love hearing him forecast, you know, the future price of Bitcoin. He's, uh, he's saying like, you don't need much really to uh, come out of this decade on a, on a good standing, uh, but you just need to be patient. You need to have the conviction to hold on and you know not sell throughout yeah. this period. And um, so, yeah, like I encourage you know everyone here calls me crazy, the crazy Bitcoin guy, in uh, all my friends groups and my family groups <laughs> and and uh, everywhere I go. Uh, but you know they don't really have to uh, go that far. I'm just you know, I, I'm being crazy out of passion for the thing. And, um, you know, even if that craziness uh, convinces them that they should, you know what, maybe I should own like 5% at least in Bitcoin. Like, cause like that guy, Ali, he's, you know, he's, he seems to know something that, you know, we don't maybe, or, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Or at least if they got them to crack a book open and read something, yeah. and, you know, dive a little deeper. Yeah. And that's all it takes for most people. It takes that first book, the Bitcoin standard. Why buy Bitcoin? Those, those books are great. Uh, introductory books. And the next thing you know, that person is diving down the Nick Zabo rabbit hole and, you know, reading, you know, uh, Bitcoin in the number zero. Exactly. They're on exactly. their way. So you got to start somewhere. And, and, um, you know, preaching about Bitcoin is is the most noble thing you can do. So I feel good about it. I don't give a shit. You know, people call me crazy or whatever. Like, whatever. Yeah, you got to be a little bit crazy to ride through this volatility. It's fun, and you have to have uh, at least a a bit of a screw loose to do it. The volatility, I think, is a good warning, which Ali you gave earlier. You you got to make sure this fits. Like, if you can't weather 80 percent volatility. You're not ready to stack this asset right now with where it is on its monetization trajectory. So yeah, you could see some. Yeah, I'm gonna stack 100% of the balance sheet, keep limited cash reserves because this thing's going to the moon. Well, this protocol doesn't work that way. It requires patience, and you have to have a business plan that allows you to be patient. Yeah, that's right. One thing I wanted to ask uh, is, so that we discussed medium of exchange earlier and how we're not there yet, right, in terms of network adoption. But at Bitcoin 2022, you know, Mallers was up on stage talking basically about disintermediating the current credit card model and payment processing model. And 
Um, Josh talked about his business. Before I became a fireman, I was a manager of a small business, actually a golf course. And um, I remember our figures. I remember our credit card figures and they're jaw dropping. I'm guessing you both take credit cards. Ali, probably with transaction size, you probably do more than Kevin, but Kevin, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Is this something you guys think about as Bitcoin continues its trajectory using things like the Lightning Network to disintermediate the current credit card model and saving, say, 2% on the revenue side? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's actually uh, 3 to 5% uh, in credit card fees. Uh, it's insane uh, the, the, the amount of money uh, they they take from merchants. Uh, I'm so pumped for um, what Lightning, the opportunities that Lightning Network brings. Uh, I mean, moving dollars on Lightning is a crazy, insane, and beautiful idea that will it will change everything, you know. And with with a protocol that's open source and and it's free to plug into, like like come on, who's not gonna plug yeah. into this, you know? As a merchant, you got to be crazy gotten, not to, yeah. especially when you're getting squeezed by and inflation. Especially if you are taking a lot of credit card payments, like a mm-hmm. company like, let's say Costco, for example. Okay. Costco takes billions of dollars a year. Okay. And do you know how much money they would be adding to their corporation if they, if they partnered up with strike, a strike credit card? And you know, f- mandated that all all Costco members have to use a Strike uh, payment app. Billions a, shit ton. <laughs> a year, yeah, billions. So the incentive is right there for the taking. And do you really want to bet that companies are not going to try to save money if they have an opportunity? Right. Hell no. Right. So it's so exciting. And and you know when I, you know. I tell people this and they're like, they still don't get it. I'm like, dude, this is, this is already being integrated with Twitter. It's already uh, it's being integrated with Shopify, uh, Cash App, you name it. And why do you think this is just not going to keep on growing? So it's exciting. It can have huge implications on our business. Uh, we can't wait to be able to use it. We just can't right now. Um, we can't move dollars on the Lightning Network, uh, but once it happens and it becomes easy and integrated with all the POS systems and, and merchants are it, easily able to plug it into their business, uh, it's going to change the game for everyone. And it really is just a function of adoption at this point. I think this is what a lot of people get confused with. Um, I actually have a close family member who works in credit card processing, and I was explaining the difference between Bitcoin the asset and Bitcoin the network, right? Which is a little bit of a blunt tool, but I think it serves its purpose. Essentially, you know, you could go euros to lightning network to dollars without ever knowing that you're using the Bitcoin protocol, much like we're using some internet protocol to exchange voice and video right now. We have no idea what's going on on the back end. That's going to be the world we we realize in the future with Bitcoin. But nothing has to change on the consumer facing or the merchant facing side. Once there's two peers that demand a less expensive, more secure, faster network, a better network, which Bitcoin is. There's a peer-to-peer network as Satoshi released the white paper. Once more peers want to interact this way and cut these unnecessary middlemen, they can use the same technologies that they're using right now and just integrate this new protocol, right? I'm sure there's a future where your point-of-sale provider can incorporate Lightning 
and Cash App's incorporating it. So functionally, nothing changes. You're literally just cutting out a middleman that's siphoning off significant uh, cash coming in. It, it's just hard to imagine how this reality isn't going to be realized. It seems inevitable once people's understanding catches up. And boy, has it happened quickly with uh, some of what we heard Mallers talk about in Miami. Mallers specifically is on the cutting edge of this and the speed at which he's moving um, and Cash App as well. Like they are incredible. They're making this happen way faster than I think most of us anticipated. Uh, it seems obvious in retrospect after hearing it all, you know, uh, kind of rolled out on stage. But um, yeah, it's happening really fast. You guys, like, do, do you guys understand for for a bit for a restaurant, for example, do you know how much uh, a difference of three percent margin can make to a restaurant? Mm. You know, or, or don't you don't restaurants generally have like a ten percent margin yeah, overall? Fifteen percent that margins. Like, that's that's our margin. So imagine adding. So you're talking about a thirty percent addition to your to your yes. margin to your profit yes. line or profit margin exactly you know yeah. and it's, huge. it's massive uh, and you know imagine also having the ability to give that back to your customers as mm. rewards for example for buying I'd rather give my customers that three percent than give it to the banks and Visa Mastercard. Okay, that's way more Absolutely. advantageous for me. And on Lightning, you can do that now because you know you can program it to do that. And there's gonna be companies um, that you know we're already seeing it in the space that are offer they're gonna offer uh, Bitcoin rewards to their customers. And so that's also gonna get built on Lightning. It's just incredible to think of the opportunities that are coming in the next few years. Kevin, how do you receive most of your payments? I know it's just so old school. It's 20, 2022, right? And, um, you know, but for us, we receive pretty much everything by check. So, you know, we're, we're always calling and saying, hey, we didn't receive it. Oh, I put it in the mail. So I can't wait, um, you know, until until this gets rolling. So we can say, hey, I, yeah, I, I'm looking at it. I would get it right now if you sent it. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to getting it um, and uh, can't wait until it happens. Yeah, getting boomer checks kind of sucks because you have to deal with all that. But at least you're not getting charged that two to three five percent. You know, at least you're keeping all your money. Yep. Except that the two weeks it takes that check to clear, you know, you probably lost that two percent in inflation. <laughs> True. <laughs> I envision a future. There may still be some restaurants by you. Like I can think of one of my favorite Greek restaurants in a town my wife and I used to live in. Still cash only to this day. You could see a future when you know adoption goes parabolic, where it's like it's Bitcoin only here, motherfuckers. <laughs> that would be awesome. We're not paying two or three percent. You come in here with a wallet loaded, we'll serve you. Long way off, but it could happen. We're rounding this thing out here. I we got at least one more question for you. What do you What do you guys think the biggest risk that still exists in Bitcoin is, or for a business running on Bitcoin? Um. The biggest risk uh, for a company running uh, running on a Bitcoin standard is mismanagement of their keys, mismanagement of their um, their accounting. Uh, where oh yeah, that's where like they would have be forced to dig into their Bitcoin stack to sell it to for some expense or something, and that's gonna trigger a tax event, and it just you know it. Um, yeah. 
this may not be a question you're comfortable answering and feel free to say no. Um, do you guys use something like Unchained or Casa for, for managing or holding your the yeah, Bitcoin we, that you guys have on your balance yeah, sheet? Yeah, we do. We have multiple setups. So we have uh, a single SIG setup. We have a multi-SIG setup. Uh, multi-SIG means there's multiple keys stored in uh, separate geographical locations. So we're, we're not at risk of somebody breaking in our store. They can, they can come on in. Um, Say hi to the camera, and they won't get anything. And um, so, yeah, it just puts us more at ease. Uh, but you know, this is still an evolving uh, space, and people that don't do their homework can mess that up. You know, so so studying into uh, security setups uh, is very important for for people starting out in this. Uh, you can literally have like military grade uh, nuclear defense level of security um you know it, it, and it's offered to you at a very very cheap cost you just have to learn how to do it uh so yeah our friends at cold card can help you with that exactly exactly mvk is a close friend of mine and uh he does you know he has the most secure wallet on the planet uh in my opinion and um yeah it's you know you gotta you gotta look into that uh, but risks to Bitcoin itself, I don't see. I see more FUD being thrown on Bitcoin, like the WEF is going to come gunning for Bitcoin, but they can come and try and, you know, they can try to fork, you know, fork off the network. And uh, I'm sure, you know, they're going to get, you know, uh, tens of people that will follow them. Lots of people are going to sell their shit coin, whatever they develop. out. Yeah, of it. yeah. Mm -hmm. So... So there's a risk of people, uh, not on Bitcoin, but there's a risk of people buying into that narrative and getting hurt by that. Yeah, education is just a counter to that. Other than that, like I'm super bullish on Bitcoin. Like, um, if you guys don't understand, like how the network effects of Bitcoin work, you should start looking into that. You know, it's uh, it's not just Metcalf's law. Where you know the value of of the network is you know uh, the square of the number of, of the nodes. It's more like the number of the nodes plus the value that they bring into the network. So like mm -hmm. you know it's it's I don't know how to explain that, but uh, like us me alone, I brought in a few a few people on the network. Okay, but those few people brought millions. Of dollars onto the network yeah think about what michael sailors brought and and his friends <laughs> like billions right yeah so the 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 network effect doesn't grow the same way uh, a social media uh network grows or a telephone network grows it grows uh you know it's an exponential formula on top of that right and uh it's quite powerful to to, to study and uh yeah, you guys should really, uh, you know, look at look into that. It's it's an amazing time to be a part of Bitcoin. Yeah, it it's Metcalf's law meeting supply inelasticity, which mankind has never been through before. Like we talk a lot, it's exponential network effects, which we've seen manifest in other arenas, but with a supply schedule that will not budge one inch, and that that those two dynamics coupled together 
are what will melt faces in the future. It, and it will be very surprising and shocking and confusing. Let's just distill this down to price. Why price is behaving the way it is. And this 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 is true both directions. But to the upside, it's going to be very confusing because this is a phenomenon mankind has never confronted before. Yeah, I think what Ellie is saying as well, because I completely agree with you, Dan. It's Metcalf's law meeting, you know, an inelastic supply. But that Met, it's almost like a supercharged version of Metcalf's law because as these these people with massive net worth start entering this space, that inelasticity is what it is, and this is just multiplying that Metcalf's law almost by a factor of. I don't even know if it's measurable. Yeah. So, so Facebook, for example, is like if you want to calculate, if there's ten users on Facebook, the value of Facebook is like ten to the power of ten, right? So, the number of people to the power of the ten possibilities and net network effects that they can have with each other. So, maybe this can be something like uh, if there's ten users on Bitcoin, but each one bringing a, a million dollars, it becomes uh, ten to the power of ten plus million, <laughs> right? Because there's a Mil- there's like ten million dollars of value that can be that can have network effects with each other. So, um, yeah, it's wild. It's huge. It's the Incredible Hulk on cocaine. Yeah. We've never seen anything like it. <laughs> Speed cocaine and biker crank. <laughs> Kevin, how about you? What what thoughts do you have on that, or risks, or anything you want to riff on here? Sure, sure. Because I think that's our our goal here, right? Is to try to educate small business. Um, on why it will be good for them, right? Because those big publicly traded companies, the sovereign wealth funds, right? They can afford to buy it when it's a million dollars a coin, right? But if they get in beforehand, right, it's it's going to go up to a million dollars and a small business isn't going to be able to purchase as much Bitcoin. So the goal here is to educate small business owners to be able to get in before all these big guys get in and the price rises, um, you know, skyrockets here. And so um, Amen. I wanted to talk about that. Also, um, you know, in regards to security, right? A lot of, uh, that's a, that's a hangup for a lot of people. And, um, and I just want to say, you know, listen, I'm just a dumb paving guy, right? And, and I can figure it out. So, um, if you think you can, or you think you have to be super tech savvy or anything like that, you don't to put it in cold storage. Um, so it's, you know, it's anybody can do it. Um, I guess, you know, my, my other things are just, Hey, uh, you know, you've taken the initiative as a small business owner, as an entrepreneur, to grab the bull by the horns, right? And and take your destiny into your own hands. And now what we're saying is, hey, grab the bull by the horns and take your money into your own hands. Mm. Don't let the Fed oh, yeah. inflate, inflate it away. And, um, you know, I just think that's that's real important. Or I guess on this show, I should be saying that the hands around the hog. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Get your hands on that on that boar's on that hog's head. By the way, did you guys see Josh's hat? We're, we're selling merch now on our website. He's got a hat that says "Hoggle." Yeah, hoggle the Bitcoin. <laughs> it's a big hit at the firehouse so far. Kevin, I had I should have had my eyes closed and my hands raised, saying "Hallelujah" to everything you just said. The part I resonate with the most that identifies with our ethos and what we're up to here. This is about the little guy right now. Bitcoin will eventually be a wealth preserving building tool, but it is currently a wealth multiplying tool. And this opportunity, this this window will close eventually. Amen. Bitcoin will always be an empowerment tool for businesses like yours and for uh, middle class members like us. But this opportunity will cease to exist at some point in the future. 
Get the slippery hog around your arms, folks. This effort doesn't last long. Get them, get them around your arms. <laughs> and if you want to ever tell your boss to fuck off and, you know, just make sure to buy as much Bitcoin as you can today and sit on it for five years and you'll probably be able to tell your boss to go fuck himself and you'll enjoy it. It'll be worth it. And, and one last thing I, I'd like to point out if I can is, um, you know, uh, many small businesses, right? Like we're, we're in the service business and I listened to this this one podcast um, from an entrepreneur named Steve Rifkind. He was uh, like a music manager back in the late 80s, early 90s with a lot of uh, like hip hop groups. And he had a, a marketing and promotions company where, you know, when a group was coming out with a, a new album or something, he would he would market the video and go to radio and, and do all this promo. Um, and they were service contracts. And um, someone offered him a, a record label deal and uh, he turned it down. He said, "Hey, I'm making so much money with this, you know, doing wor- working this marketing and, and promotions company that I have. You know, why would I take that?" And um, his dad was a, a businessman. Found out he turned that down and called him up and had him come over to his house. And he said, "You're you're crazy. Let me let me explain the difference between a service business and an asset business, right?" And so. In this instance, the asset is the um, the rights to the music that he would own as the record label owner, right? And you're getting royalties from that for life. Right. And so, you know, we're we're in the service business, right? And we have an opportunity right here to get into the asset business. When you're in the service business, you're as good as your last contract. When you're in the asset business, you're making money while you sleep. And so, I think that's a, a very important um, point that I'd like to make to everybody and. Um, you know, that really resonated with me. Hopefully it'll resonate with, uh, with everybody else. Well said. Yeah. Well said. That's a point that I think a lot of people would miss. Gentlemen, give us a handoff to where people can find you and your businesses. And if you got any final words, feel free to throw them out. This has been beyond fun Stellar. for the last hour and 20 minutes. Ali, why don't we start with you and then we'll move to Kevin on a closer here. Yeah, this has been amazing. You guys are uh, super fun to hang out with. Um, yeah, basically nothing really to hand off here. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, at the real tahinis. Uh, if you'd like to see the food content and Bitcoin content, um, uh, that's what we do over there. And, uh, yeah, if you want to know more about, uh, tahinis, just, uh, visit tahinis.com. And, uh, yeah, I'm all out Kev on Twitter. Um, you can also message me on, on LinkedIn, all out parking lots, um, and, uh, guys, thanks so much. This has been a blast. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Thank you for having us. And, um, this was, this was awesome. Absolutely. We enjoyed it. Thanks so much for listening into the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, be sure to like, or subscribe on whatever app you're using for podcasts or on YouTube. And if you have an extra minute, go ahead and leave us a review. We are also active on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC. And our email address is bluecollarbitcoinpodcast at gmail.com. We invite questions, comments, or inquiries of any kind. We look forward to you joining us again on the BCB Podcast.